And uh, speaking of being uncomfortable, I'm on a, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to probably challenge uh, any, any type or capacity of ministry tonight, and I, I pray that, that you take it uh, to heart because it's out of love, and um, not only here, but what we have become and, and what we are doing, who we are as a church and as, as, as a body of believers and uh, there's so much that we face, there's so much that you and I face, so much uh, pull in every direction, so many ways to uh, go, there is only one way to go, but I'm talking about in reality, there's a lot of things that, that pull for your time, pull for your attention, there's a lot of things that we try to be that we are not, uh, things that we aspire to be that we should not, and things that we try to do that really don't matter. Uh, so tonight, I, I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to write scriptures down, to dig into your for yourself, and to uh, allow this word to to challenge us in our thinking, in our approach to the gospel, to the spreading of the gospel, to the ministering of the gospel, and uh, how we do what we do and why we do what we do. Because it's always important to be to be uh, a challenge. Because there's always something we can do more of or better. And it's not about doing the things, but it's about why do we do this? Why, why do we do those things? So uh, I, I know that uh, I was just looking kind of online, and I saw Brother Jake's on there, and um, I'm sure you're still watching. And uh, one day, I don't know when one day will be, but I, I just believe that one day he'll be down here and he'll minister to you guys. But uh, it's, we've met online, and uh, he feeds me, I feed him. Not like literally, but spiritually. That was kind of weird, but uh, spiritually. <laughs> and... Uh, but the Lord is good. But, but even in New York, Brooklyn, New York, or I think that's where you are, Brooklyn, New York, or, or Denver, North Carolina, or Winchester, Virginia, or, or uh, wherever you may find yourself, there is, a, there is a dire need for the gospel to go forth. And I want you to think about this for, with me for just a moment. Before we dig into the text, I want to throw some things at you. Uh, and, and for us that are over 30 we understand these, but for those that are younger than, especially those that just graduated high school, uh, you, can, you can think of things, how things have changed over the last few decades. And we have seen, as, a, as a, a, my age group, we have seen more change in the world in that time span than most any other as far as um, uh, uh, technology and the way things work and and how they go. I, I grew up, uh, obviously we grew up, and I know some people grew up with no TV, but the, I, I saw TV go from black and white to, to color TV. I saw it go from uh, trying to dial in the UHF channel to standing there holding the antenna for my dad. I could not move because the signal would go out to getting cable to a slide box, and I would have to go slide. We didn't have a remote to, to the big, v we were talking about this at lunch today, the big metal VCR that we got that had the Recorded remote and kids don't even know what the, what is a VCR. Uh, you go to Blockbuster and rent the movie summer. And them even went to Blockbuster and rented the VCR. Had to return it on a Monday. Uh, but we've seen a lot of changes. We've seen uh, uh, cars go from gas guzzlers to fuel efficient to electric. And and think about this: the kids now today, a hybrid car has always been mass produced. It was never even a, a thought when we were kids. Um, the Lion King has always been on Broadway. The Lion King was a cartoon that came out when I was, I don't know how I was younger, uh, but Princess Diana and, and, and Jacques Cousteau and Mother Teresa have never been alive in their lifetime. And, and they don't even, they know about them maybe, but they don't know who those people are. 
Hong Kong has always been under Chinese rule, and, 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 and most of them have never even licked a postage stamp. Things change. I can, they can have information, you can have information at the touch of your finger like that. Where we would have to go dig through, and remember writing book reports in school, digging through the, the huge set of red encyclopedias that weighed 7,000 pounds in the house, and we would go dig through and we would find what we needed, and we would write these book reports, and, and all these things come. But time has changed, but guess what? So has the church. Uh, we're, we're talking about not for sale. We're going to get there in a moment. We're going to dig into First Kings, but... I want to I want to just throw some things at you tonight, and I want to talk about why these things have changed, and 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 we're going to challenge uh, we're going to be challenged with the Word of God tonight. But church attendance now is a fringe activity. What do you mean? It means that meaning church is, a, a, attendance is just ah well whatever. I'll come if it's convenient. I'll come if I feel like it. I'll come if I want to. It's not that now I come because I desire to. I'll just come if I happen to have time. And, and, and outside of the Bible Belt, uh, we are in the Bible Belt, but outside of the Bible Belt, a lot of folks don't even ask where you go to church anymore because the assumption is that you don't go. There are more folks that don't go to church than that do come to church. And the, those that do come to church, a lot of folks don't even know why they're coming to church. Are they just coming just to come, or is it just a social event, or is it this or that? But it's become... If you like it or not, it has become a fringe activity, meaning that it's really not that important. We have excuse after excuse, and I was telling James I had to rock him up pinto beans. He's like, what? It's like, exactly, man, it don't matter. The excuse is excuse. It don't make no difference what it is. And what I hear is the Lord's really not that important to me. Well, brother, what? whoa, 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 I love it. Love. There's more to just coming and showing up. I'm not, I'm not questioning your, your love for the Lord, but I'm saying that his, his, uh, his uh, people, the body of Christ, just isn't that important to you. We find things in our lives that are important to us, and what we desire to do, we'll do. What we like, we will make time for. And what we want in our life, we will make sure it happens. And what we don't want, or what we don't find important, if it does happen, it happens. If it don't, no big deal. But like it or not, church has become a fringe activity. In Las Vegas, there was a survey given, and only 14% of the, those that were surveyed professed to be a Christian. Not go to church, but just to be a Christian. And <coughs> in Las Vegas, there's a church, and I'm not going to name the name of the church, but they have eight different locations they have over around 20,000 people that go to these eight different locations. And it's not because they're looking for a church, because the fact of the matter is the majority of the world is not looking for a church to attend. So they began to ask questions. What makes you go here to this particular place? What are you, uh, what are you looking for, if, it, if, if that question is right? Uh, but it's... it's Here's why. The answer was, overwhelmingly, the majority of the answer was this, because I was personally invited. I was personally invited. Today, we have, I used to teach trade classes, or, or, or not trade, yeah, well, I guess it was a trade class. I, I taught construction classes. And 
I would, I would talk to, I'm, I'm young, but I'm old, I'm old at heart, I'm young, but I'm, I'm, I'm still old school. And, and I would ask these guys, and was talking about scheduling meetings and doing uh, pre-con meetings and all of these things, and, and I, we had some young guys that were learning to, to work their way up through the construction ranks, if you will, become superintendents, and, and I was asking, how do you have your pre-con meetings, and how do you talk to the folks, how do you get it out, how do you know who's coming or not? Well, I send an email, I said, that's garbage. Another guy said, I send text. Well, that's garbage because all they got to do is say, I didn't get them. But when you personally call somebody and you personally talk to somebody, there's a difference because there's a danger in text. There's a danger in sending text. There's a, they're, they're good. They're fine. I know that's a way of communication. It is what it is. It's here to stay. But there's a danger in it because you can never tell tone in a text. And what we've become as a church is a, we've, we've become a, 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 um, a convenient type of communication. Well, I'll send out a mass text to say, hey, how are you doing? Instead of checking personally or inviting personally, because I really don't want that personal encounter. Because when it becomes personal, it becomes a personal decision. And here's what happens when you make a personal invitation to somebody. What, me, what it means to them is, well, I'm important enough for you to take time out of your day to ask me. I can tell you no. And it's not about whether they say yes or no. It's about did you personally, did you make the effort to communicate uh, to someone, and, and what are you talking well, Jason, what thought you were talking about not for sale? We're going to get there. Hold on. I want to go somewhere. I want to take us to where we are as a, as a body, as a nation right now. Whether you like it or not, here we are. This is us. So church attendance is a fringe activity. The majority, the overwhelming answer was, why are you there? It's because I was personally invited. So what we've become as a church, and we've become gimmick-driven, <laughs> You know, we get the signs, all are welcome. Or we'll put it on our, on our headlines, on our website. Everyone is welcome. That means nothing. Everyone is welcome, but it means nothing to the person that don't go to church. Have you ever went to a business because the business said, everybody's welcome here? Church is not a business, but I'm, I'm getting somewhere. Have you ever went to a restaurant because the sign of the restaurant said, everybody's welcome? You went because somebody told you, man, this is a good restaurant. <laughs> it don't matter if it's a hole in the wall or if they have the best decor in the world. You went because somebody said, man, this place is great. This place is good. Why did you go? Because they said it was good. They tasted of the goodness of this place, and they wanted me to enjoy the same goodness, so I was determined I'm going to go. And most of the time when you go and you've never been before, somebody told you where to go and what to order. So that's where you went and you tried it out. But see, we throw the name of Jesus around like it don't really matter. We're talking about the life-changing power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ, and we keep our lips sealed. Now, we'll talk about the good burgers. We'll talk about Crafty Burger and, 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 and not Burger King. I can't remember the name. There's another burger or something. Bad Daddy Burger. And we'll talk about all these. Smoking Joe's Rib Shack. And I'm getting hungry now. Uh, but we'll talk about these things, but we don't talk about Jesus. So we've, what, what most all dying churches float the sign, all are welcome. Hear me. Think about it. If you didn't go to church, Terrence, and we had on our sign out there, everybody's welcome, are you like, what? <laughs> I'm going there. Don't mean nothing to you. 
But we've become gimmick-driven because we've been told this is what people want. This is what we paid some, some guy that smells like book dust. I don't even know where that came from. I just think of an old library. To tell us what the masses want. Have you ever smelled with his book dust? I don't even know if there's, there's a new one. There you go. There's y'all's uh, new smell for tonight, book dust. But anyway, we pay these people to tell us what people want. I know what will get them. If you put all are welcome, they'll all come because they understand you have no prejudice. You don't care what color they are, where they come from. Or... They don't matter. They don't care. We welcome anybody. We say it all the time. But that's not our driving force. Christ is our driving force. So about the only way that a non-Christian will continue to show up to a Christian event, a Christian church, is through a personal invitation. Regardless of what any sign says, the real welcome comes from you. Me? You, the members, the body. The real welcome. Not a sign. I have ne churches will spend tens of thousands of dollars on a digital sign that somebody has about 2.7 seconds to read. And I, ain't never, I have never in my life turned around to see what that, whoa, what in the world did that sign say? Let me do a U-turn. I'm like, whatever, if I see it, I see it. I just want to know what the temperature is. That's really, honest to goodness, that's all I hope they say. Because I don't really care. But this is, this is what we think. We've got... We've got starving orphans and, and struggling widows, and we're spending $20,000 on a digital sign so that we can be cool and relevant and flash our, our, our LED lights that nobody reads because nobody cares. They don't care if your name sounds cool or if it sounds stupid. They don't care about all of that. When you're desperate for Jesus, all you want is Him. And when you're desperate for something to change in your life, you don't want the ordinary. Take it today. Entertainment's a part of your life, whether you like it or not. Kids, entertainment, they're on this. They can hold phone and do stuff that I can't do. And, and this is probably the correct, I think this is the right way. And they just scroll through and they're like, hmm. And they see videos. And a lot of videos are staged today. I was talking to Sage and Evan before church and I asked them a question. I think they thought I was going to drill them, but I was just asking them a question. I ask, I ask young people questions as much as I ask an, uh, an adult a question because I want to know your answers. And, 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 and when, you get to a, when they get to a fake video, guess what they do? Scroll on past it because I don't want to see nothing that's fake. I want to see somebody really bust their head open. <laughs> I want to see somebody really fall off of a ladder or really fall out of a tree. They want real. But we become so gimmick-driven, we become fake, and we don't even know who we are as a church. We, 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 and, 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 and so we go from there, and, and people want that personal invitation to now that regular church attendance has become an irregular occurrence. You see it here. You'll see the cycle. I'm not, I'm, listen, if you're in that cycle and that's you, I'm not throwing rocks at you. I love you, and you're welcome here anytime. 
But what is it that makes you wake up in the morning and say, man, i got to get to the house of the Lord. And then what is it that makes you say, you know what, it don't matter if I go or not. Where have we become in our, in our senses, in, 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 our, in our relationship with the Lord, that, that coming together and with like-minded believers means nothing to us? What has what is taken us to this place? So what we have now is a, is a, uh, a quandary of, of events that are taking place in the minister's lives, whether it's children, youth, or what. How do you continue to minister to a group of people that you don't know if it's going to change today or tomorrow, if it's going to be 5 or 55, if I'm going to have 3 kids or 37 kids? Do I buy a case of waters or do I buy two? I don't know. Because the parents are so inconsistent that I can't consistently minister to the kids. And if this is making you mad, just get over it because I'm going to tell you the truth. And we, we find time for what matters in our lives. So regular church attendance has become irregular. Why? This has most church leadership scrambling. And here's what they're doing. Many church leaders are trying to figure out how to help people grow. When they don't go. Because they still get the phone calls and they still get the questions and they still get the, how could I? When we place ourselves in a position to be fed, you'll be fed. But when we remove ourselves from the table, you remove yourself from the table. I'm not talking about just here, I'm talking about your everyday life. So we've come, and, and I'll get to the scripture text here in a moment. I'm not. I'm not in a hurry. Please forgive me, but I want to get this to you. We, 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 we've, in, the, in the late 90s, in the early 2000s, this mega church began to pop up. Mega churches, and, and all of that consists of a thousand or more people. They became so cool, and people wanted to be them. And so we, we transformed, and, and we became uh, 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 band-driven, and, and light and haze-driven, and we got rid of the choir. I love to have a choir. We just don't have the room. But we got rid of those things because they weren't cool. Well, can I tell you that the band, the light, and the haze is old school, and it's, it's, it's outdated. Everybody's had them. Everybody's done it. Everybody's been there. Everybody's seen it. But guess what? The show no longer captivates the audience. We've been driven. We paid. We went to the seminars. We went to the growth. We went to the growth meetings. We went to all of these things. And then we've, we've been driven. I typically would never print anything off to look at these. But I did this because I want to bring to you this stirred my heart. We become driven and we become show-oriented and the show no longer captivates. They want truth. They want real. Who's they? People without Christ. If you're over 30, you remember when contemporary became somewhat contemporary. <laughs> We're singing songs out of the Hosanna songbook. Lord Jesus, we're going to hell. They, they, they sing something, they sing something. And it just changes over time because it's always, the, the music is always controversial. It seems to be more so controversial in the Pentecostal churches because music is a big part of, 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 of what we do. But it's always been controversial. But you remember the, the contemporary uh, becoming kind of in, on the scene and we weren't very good at it. We, we, we had somebody playing the tambourine totally offbeat. I don't even know, most tambourine players, I don't know what beat they're playing. They have their own. 
I ain't got nothing against tambourines. If you can't play one, please, for the love of Jesus, don't pick one up. I think that's the most misplayed instrument ever known to man. I don't, that's just a side note. But guess what? The contemporary and the being good at it, not so good at it, has drastically changed. Because now we're great at it. Now we've learned how to perform to a T. The countdown's on. Lights, camera, action. Good morning. Welcome to Lakeside Church. It's sunny and 77 degrees here. We love it. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a day in our lives. I hope you can come be with us. We've learned to put on the show. I'm not saying we. I'm just talking about the church. We've learned to be good at being contemporary and being cool and being relevant with the connection that's happened online. Many preachers and musicians have become so much better at their craft that production levels have soared in local churches. We've got digital boards. You turn that board on back there and it moves itself. It's crazy. Got different channels that do different stuff. We got stuff for live stream. We got stuff for in-house. We got stuff for monitors. And we got, we got stuff for stuff that I don't even know what that stuff does. Because it's all a part of the show. Where are you going with all this, Jason? Hold on. And guess what? It's still not enough. It used to be that the great preaching of the anointed word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit would draw the people in. Now you can spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and they'll turn you off just as fast as they will a bathroom light. Because I'm just going to look at the next person. I'll go to the next guy. Now it's more like a cost of doing business. We weigh these in council meetings. We talk about these. We've, we've struggled with online. I understand it's great, but it's also become a crutch for many to be lazy and not involve themselves. I got all that. And if you fall in that category, I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to tell you the truth. But I also understand the importance because it's allowed connections throughout the country. I, I get to, to uh, I'm connected with Michael Jakes who watches and, and he ministers. And, and it's been a great tool and we're not changing that. It's a part of what we do. But we, it's still not enough. So it, again, it's more like the cost of doing business. Can I tell you this? That cool church is dying. That nobody cares. And because and, 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 and something else is connecting with young adults and taking the cool church's place. There was a survey that a guy did, and he went to many different churches and different denominations, and there was no particular one that he went to more than the other, and some were thriving and some were struggling, and he began to, to wonder, what was it that kept them coming? What was it that was drawing all these folks in there? Why were they coming in like with the masses? And the answer was this. He came to the conclusion that, that passion was more favorable than the polish. What we have done is we've polished everything and we've lost the passion. We've lost our passion for the Lord. We've lost our passion for Jesus Christ because all we've become is driven to perform. If you don't like this tonight, I'm, a, I'm sorry, but this is just where we are as, as, as a church as a whole. 
Because we've time slotted, and I've got to hurry up and get it in because I know somebody else is coming. And, and when I was growing up, my uncle was my pastor. He didn't have to worry about the church folk going and listening to 70,000 other pastors because internet and that connection wasn't there. And the competition, and it's not competition, but he never had to worry about what I preach is what they're getting. And they weren't comparing me to Jimmy Swagger. Or they wasn't comparing me to a Stephen Furtick. They were listening to the word of God come from this old humble person. But I'm smart enough to understand that I'm not Brother Swaggart. I'm not Stephen Furtick. I'm not uh, uh, Ron Carpenter Jr. I'm not uh, Chad Collins. That's my brother. I am who God has created me to be. And if you wanted to go to Elevation Church, you would be there. But we've become so pressured at emulating what we see. Praise God for their platforms to do what they do. I'm not knocking them at all. Praise God for what he's blessed them with. And I pray that they do great and marvelous things with it. And, and they have. But we try to emulate and be who we're not. We're, we're getting there. Hold on. We're getting there. Can I tell you that what you have, your vineyard is not for sale. You are not to sell out what God has given you to be something that you're not. To trade it in for what somebody has to offer. Because I can promise you, if they're wanting what you have, what they have is not better. Listen, church, church members follow a dozen or so different ministries. That's fine. I'll listen to different ministries. It's just a part of it. But think about the... the, the, the think about... Think about the position of a leadership in the church. You're, you're dealing with all this stuff. I'm secure in who the Lord's called me to be. I'm not trying to be somebody else because I'm not. Another thing that has happened in the last 25 years is God has become generic. Most Americans self-identify as a Christian. They'll tell you, I'm a, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. But almost 50% of those that identify as a Christian... Uh, operate or function as post-Christians in their practices and their beliefs, meaning that it's just a name. I don't really, I don't really dig it. What people define as Christian and what constitutes genuine Christianity may be two different things. So trying to lead people into a relationship with God can mean almost anything today. You've got pastafarians for crying out loud who worship spaghetti noodles. So when we're, we're trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take you to a place where we are as, an, as America today. We talk about God, we know who we're talking about. But God means nothing to a lot of folks because, because God has become generic and we use that to say, I worship God, what God? Who? So to lead people to a relationship with God can mean anything and almost anything, again, to a post-Christian, including their own definition of whatever spirituality might look like or what it might feel like. But leading them into a relationship with Jesus is very different. Here's why. In a post-Christian culture, God is generic, but Jesus is specific and personal. And you've got to know in whom you have believed. You've got to know where we are. 
Listen, I, I, I tell you, I know the Word of God is the same, period. It's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. But can I tell you this right here? It's not 1975 anymore. And you have a generation that is growing up, in my part of mine, that God means nothing. It's just a word. I was, I was reared up in church, and I know when I, when I said I'm going to worship God, I know what they're talking about. But today, that means nothing. When you lead somebody to Jesus, it changes everything because it becomes specific and it becomes personal. Again, th there is really no offense when you say the word or name God, but when you say Jesus Christ, uh-oh, uh-oh, what we're talking about. Another thing is that people don't even know what they're converting to. <laughs> Most people don't even know what it means to be a Christian. Well, we think they know they don't. It's, it's very difficult to become a Christian if you don't even understand what it means. And what we flaunt as, as being Christians... We don't really sometimes even know who we are because the church, ha church has an identity crisis. So what we have is a problem of understanding what am I supposed to change to? Is it just a label? So we have a, a, a failure to understand the background of whom is coming today 25, 30, 40 years later in life. So in the same way that people don't understand what it means to become a Christian and they don't understand that, the, the post-Christian people have very little understanding from a background from which to draw. They don't know. They don't have a background. Can I tell you that most of the time it's much easier to minister to that? Again, it's a communication challenge for you, for me, for leaders. Why? Because they don't have an understanding. They don't know who Moses is. You can't just say, oh, well, we all know. No, we don't. Well, I'm going to take you to a familiar passage of Scripture. I find myself saying that often. Well, I don't know if it's familiar. It should be. But they have no idea who Sarah is. And you can tell them to turn to Mordecai chapter 17, verse 9, and they'll flip for days. Because they don't know. But we have a hard time understanding that. And we say, well, you should know. But they don't. But they don't. Why? Because generations before have sold out. So, so they don't all know what it means. So here's what they want. Can you please explain to me who this Jesus is so I can understand? Don't just tell me to surrender my life to Christ. I don't even know who he is. We have, we, it's come down to this point right now. Who are you in Christ? And how well do you know his word? Because if you can't explain to somebody who does not have a clue who Jesus is, who Jesus is, then you may not really know him yourself. So what they want is real, but what they've been given is cliche answers. Just go to church. Why? Just surrender your life to Christ. Who is he? And how am I changing? What is he changing me to? What, what is it? I don't know. So the church 
has a problem in understanding who they are because the church a long time ago traded their vineyard. This has been a long prelude. <laughs> and no church has become better than some other church. Here's, here's where I want to end this and I want to dive into the message. We're moving in real time away from a generation of people who were done with church. You ever heard, I'm done with church. We're moving away from that generation of people who are done with church to a generation that don't know church at all. We're being real. We're moving away from a generation who has been church hurt and done with church to a generation who has no idea what church is. And you would think that this is an obstacle, but really, it's an opportunity. Robbie Zacharias just passed away, but uh, they were speaking with him, and uh, Robbie said the reception that he received in nations where people never grew up in church was a much greater reception than in nations where people were churched to death. Why? Because when we have become churched, we have become programmed. And I told you before, and I'll tell you again, the Lord spoke to my heart back in 2009, and he, told, and he spoke this clearly to me, that he will use us to unchurch the church. I had no clue what he was talking about. In essence, to take you back to the basics, to take people back, whoever it is, wherever it is, wherever the Lord may allow me to minister, to take you back to the basics and quit attempting what I spoke this morning and begin to accept the finished work of Christ. So here's the heart. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. And here's the identity crisis that we're faced with, and we're trying to figure out how to do this thing we call church when we don't even know what it is ourselves. So here you come all the way to a place in 1 Kings 21, verses 1 through 4. And if you're there, great. You've had plenty of time to get there. If you're not, you're going to have to follow along. Let me get this thing in here. 1 Kings 21, 1 through 4. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I might have it for a garden of herbs, because it's near unto my house. And I will give for you at a better vineyard than it. Or if it seemed good to you, I'll give you the worth of it in money. Naboth said, Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto you. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Why did you go through this big spill, J.C., of all of this stuff? Because you and I, in Christ, have an inheritance, which is a representation of Naboth's vineyard, what it, what it represents, a spiritual inheritance that money can't buy, that should never be traded, that should never be squandered, that should never be compromised for anything. 
His vineyard, Naboth's vineyard, again, is a type of spiritual inheritance that every single child of God has, whether you're a pastor or a, or a greeter at the door, or you just come and you're a faithful church member. Every believer, every child of God has this inheritance. His vineyard bordered Ahab's palace as our spiritual inheritance. Our vineyard borders the world. I want to tell you something. You are going to deal with the flesh as long as you're here. You're not, it's not over. Newsflash, you're saved, but people still get on your nerves sometimes. You're saved, you love the Lord, but you find yourself, going back to this morning, sometimes attempting to do things that you shouldn't have to attempt to do. So the same pressure that Naboth felt to sell out is the same pressure that you and I feel or have felt to compromise our convictions Ah, it's not that bad. This is 2021. What can I do? Well, it started a long time ago, particularly in the 80s. A lot of you folks weren't alive. What are you talking about? When we began to try to make the gospel cool. I like, I like Terrence's saying, make pastors uncool again. <laughs> or whoever you got it, I don't know. We became... Cool driven. We wanted to make church cool. We wanted to make pastors cool. We wanted to make the gospel cool. Instead of allowing it to change us. Right? It didn't start yesterday. It didn't start in 2003. It started many years ago. And we failed to confront. We failed to confront the, the compromise and now guess what? The compromise is confronting the church. And we don't know what to do. Can I tell you there's only one answer and his name is Jesus. And what we do here is so old school to people. I just, I've been asked, I, I cannot tell you the amount of times I have been asked. What in the world are y'all doing at Lakeside Church? <laughs> Brother, we got this children's church pastor. That can clog like nobody's business. He's out there clogging up, sweating like crazy, and people just pulling in the parking lot. I could tell him that, but I didn't. I said, we, we're just preaching the gospel. We're just loving people. We're just seeing the saints strengthened in their walk, and those that don't know them come to know the Lord as their Savior. And what happens is, when you are passionate and not worried about being polished, then people see the real Christ that's in you because he's real. But see, we've been pro and, I, and, 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 and so I trip over my words and I do things that are, that are quirky and, and weird and, and they don't teach you to do this stuff in Bible school and, and the way you handle things and the way you do things, it's just not right. According to who? I don't know. We become worried about being polished and we've lost our passion for Christ. So we've, we're, we're enticed with the offer to trade in our vineyard. Because I don't really want to keep it up anyway. What you have going on in our county right now is a lot of families that are passing uh, away 
that have had land, farmland for years and, and even generations. They're passing away. These young folks, they don't want nothing to do with that land. They don't want to keep it up. They don't want to bush hog it. They don't want to do anything with it. So they see an opportunity for a developer to sell out. I'm going to take this $7.2 million and I'm going to go live it up. And, and, and to be honest, if I had 100 acres and they offered me that, I'd probably do it too. But, uh, and I would go buy some somewhere else outside of where everybody's building. But here's what has happened. We have failed to realize generation after generation the importance of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. So we really don't see a need to keep what we got. So that same pressure that Naboth had felt to sell out, you have felt, or I have felt, or you will feel, to compromise our convictions. Ah, it's, it's, it's not that bad. We simply have two choices. One, refuse Satan any part of what uh, God has given. Or two, we can sell out to Ahab, the world. We can take part of these programs and we can take part of this thing. We can try to do all of this stuff that don't work. It may for a season. I grew up in Gaston County. And in Gaston County, North Carolina, what I watched as I grew up is fads take place. And the hordes of people go from this church to this church to this church back to this church and then over here to this church and then back over here to that church. And all the while, all these other 75,000 churches were trying to figure out how to be one of those three churches. And not being, and I'm not saying that, but I'm just using, I'm just throwing out figure, figuratively speaking, I guess. All the while, not being who the Lord has called you to be. A disciple and an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Because somewhere, at some point in time, somebody has got to be real. How, how, how do you and I as Christians, as a born-again believer, have a spiritual inheritance? Well, Romans 8, 14 through 17, or, or part 8 of 17, or the, the, the first part of 17, if you will. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are led of the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. In fact, in, in Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we have a spiritual inheritance in Christ. Nothing else. Nowhere else. So what you have, you didn't earn, but it was inherited by receiving Christ, by receiving what Jesus had done for us, and then you were adopted by the Holy Spirit into the family of God. So yes, you have an inheritance, but what will you do with it? What will you do with it? Dalton, you're getting ready to start your freshman year of college. Brandon, you just got through with your freshman year of college. 
you've seen things you probably never thought you'd see. Probably see some things you wish you never saw. But you saw people being absolutely foolish in their life. You'll see it too. And you have a decision to make. Do I maintain my inheritance or do I sell out to Ahab? My kids, you have or you will face these pressures. Us adults, you have or you will face these pressures or you are facing these pressures. What will I do with the inheritance? Will I flaunt it as I'm better than you? Or will I tell you that you can have an inheritance of your own? You don't have to want mine. You can have your own. That's just as good. So, so what will you do with it? Naboth's vineyard was given to him by the Lord of, of glory, just as salvation is given to us by the Lord of glory. Ahab makes a proposal. Give me your vineyard that I might have it for a garden of herbs. I want it for what I want it for. I don't want you to have it for what the Lord has intended for you. As you have people that are talented and it's given to them by the Lord, no doubt, they have sold their vineyard to Ahab in essence. You have secular musicians that are absolutely talented. And that's a talent that was given by the Lord that they're using for the herb garden of Ahab. They sold out for the dollar. For the whatever it was, they sold out. So in turn, uh, he said, I'll give you a better vineyard or the worth of it in money. First of all, if the devil has something better, if the enemy has something better, what in the world does he want yours for? Think about it. <laughs> y'all remember the show Barter Kings when it came out? Do y'all remember that? Anybody ever watch that, Barter Kings besides myself? I guess it's me and Noah's thing. <laughs> yeah, here we go, barter king. So the whole object was to, uh, I, I've got this candle, and I'm going to barter it until I can get a, a Lamborghini or whatever. The whole object it was to trade up. Because I wanted better. They never traded down. Unless you were somebody that I know that, <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, Lord Jesus. Let's just, say, let's just say they had traded an entire solar system for their house to power their home, and they ended up with a laptop computer. That's just, I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to work. But in essence, if you sell out your inheritance, that's about what you'll end up with. So you won't, if you won't take his vineyard, if he didn't take his offer, then he offered him money. I'll buy it for its worth. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What you possess, what I possess, can not be bought. It can't be earned. So why are we selling out? Why did I read all of that stuff to you begin in the service? Because we don't know who we are. The church has no idea who they are. 
We're trying to do things to, to keep up with an ever-changing world. And they have no idea who the church is because the church is ever-changing also. There's a, there's a campground off of, 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 of uh, 181, 180, whatever it's called. Still Creek Campground up in the mountains, up above Morgan. And if you go to that campground and you go past where the diving board used to be, you go through this field, you go up through there, walk the trail a little ways, there's a big rock right there. And you can jump off that rock about 20 foot drop into the water, cool, refreshing water. If you go up to the North Carolina-Tennessee border, there's a place up there called the Midnight Hole. There's rocks on both sides that you could jump off of into that water. The waters rise and they recede. They come in fast. Sometimes they come in slow. But the rock never goes nowhere. What keeps people coming back over and over and over and over and over and over again? They're not worried if the rock's moved or not. They know it's going to be there because it hasn't changed. Christ placed our feet upon a rock, which is him, to not change. But we've changed over and over and over. And some have sold out more than once. Some have sold out more than one time. Acts chapter 3, there was a lame man laying outside the temple gate begging for alms, and he asked Peter and John, but instantly they knew what they had wasn't for sale. They weren't going to uh, use God's free gift for a financial gain. So instead Peter looked at the man and he said. Look at us. Look on us. Listen to what I'm going to say in essence. Peter said silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. I don't want your money. But in turn I'm going to give you something. That will change your life. I don't know if you're aware of this. Maybe you are. I hope you are. I was speaking with, with Evan and, and Sage. They're 15 years old. Whew. So mature in life. They know everything. They don't know nothing. But they do know this. That the majority of the people their age have no idea who they are. And the majority of girls my daughter's age, they dress and act like prostitutes. Why? Because that's all they know. That's the only way they know to be liked and received. And all the church says is, You're, that's just stupid. And we never offer anything to change their life. We never give them Jesus. We just give them condemnation. And we just tell them to stop and change. Change to what? I, they don't know. They don't know. Acts, again, Acts 3 and 6, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. <coughs> give them Jesus. The, the gospel's not for sale. His blessings aren't for sale. His provision is not for sale. His gifts are not for sale. Keep your money. Quit trying to learn to operate. People are trying to learn to operate in the prophetic. People, go, people pay to go to healing seminars. What, what in the world? And you, and you got people sending money to a jet black haired guy who's in his 70s named Peter Popoff 
for a vial of miracle water. Why? Because we don't know who we are. How could he sell a valve of water that's probably come from his, his sink? Because he's passionate. Whether you like it or not, somebody is, there's people that are searching for deliverance and they want something that's real and they bought into a gimmick. Shame on him. And if they gave him money more than twice, then shame on them. But he's passionate. And we laugh and we poke fun. They, they, maybe there's something you can learn from this fella. At least fall in love with who you're preaching. Because I promise you, he loves what he's teaching and preaching. We might not agree with it. And it might not be right. It's not. But at least he's in love with it. At least he believes it. Here, here's, here's an example of passion. And, and I was speaking to those in the sound booth. This is why Adolf Hitler could convince soldiers to line people up and shoot them as if they didn't matter and throw them into a pit. Passion about your inheritance, about Christ. It's almost non-existent in the church. Because if we were full of passion, you wouldn't need this right here to prime your pump. You would come in ready to roll. You would come in ready to go. I, 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 I told you, believe it or not, I was, I am not athletic at all anymore. I used to be an athlete. <laughs> I don't have the athletic physique anymore. But on game day, I didn't need the band to pump me up. I didn't need the cheers to make me excited. I was ready to go. When I come into this church on Sunday morning at around 4.30 to 5 o'clock on a Sunday morning when there ain't nobody here, I don't need anything. to. I am fired up, ready for Jesus to do what only he can do. I want you to understand that passion plays a part, but you're not going to be passionate about something that you don't understand. I, I, was, I was using this illustration with James. I was like, James, it would be like you being passionate about badminton. I could care less about badminton, but then all of a sudden I find myself, I've got to go watch a badminton match. I mean, what, I, I would call Terrence, Terrence, you want to go down to the Y? Man, they got some sick badminton competitions going on. He's like, yeah, man, let's do it. But passion, and we talk about Jesus like he ain't nothing. We're talking about the man who gave his life so that you and I wouldn't have to spend eternity in hell. And we don't even tell people about him, but we will tell them about him adores. Try it, it's good. They got some nice queso. Their salsa is on point. You should go there. This is, the, this is what we are. So the gospel, it's not, nothing's for sale. We keep, keep your money. Quit trying to buy a touch of supernatural healing. You don't need a spiritual coach. They exist, by the way. 
if you didn't know that. That, that people flock to them all over. It, it makes me sick seeing all these spiritual seminars and, and all the stuff that people are trading their vineyards for. The enemy wants your vineyard for the same reason, reason that Ahab wanted Naboth. It's too close for comfort. And it's better because it was inherited from his father. It was hard by the palace. It was too close. It was making him uncomfortable. When, when Jesus is in you and you are in him and he's working in you and working through you, I want to promise you this, it's going to make the enemy uncomfortable because the Bible tells us even at the mention of his name, the demons in hell, they tremble. So don't think that he won't do everything he can to take from you. He only wants to do three things, still kill and destroy. Take from you what the Lord Jesus has afforded to you. John 1, 1 and 5, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was, nothing, was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He, Satan, he wants to do one thing. Knock your light out. Not lights. There's only one light of the world. That's Christ. And however he has to do it, he will. However secluded he has to get you, if you allow yourself to get there, he will. Whatever temptation he needs to throw in front of you, he will. He'll do it. I took someone to work with me one time, and they were talking about going on a trip with a female, and I said, brother, that ain't no good idea. Oh, I don't like her like that. I said, that ain't a good idea. I don't like her. In fact, Chad was with me. We were riding, and Chad said this. He said, you can be a vegetarian, but if I put a steak on a plate in front of you long enough, you're going to want a piece of that steak. If we continually place ourselves in positions where the temptations are, eventually... You're going to want a piece of that. And I, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you this to, to make you feel bad if you've fallen subject to that temptation, but what I'm telling you is you better reel it in before it's too late. Because when he begins to take, he don't stop. He keeps taking. He keeps taking. He has nothing better to offer, and your Father forbids you to give away your inheritance. Why would you trade joy for mourning? Why would you trade light for darkness? Why would you trade life for death? Why would you trade liberty, freedom, for bondage? Why would you trade peace for turmoil? Why? Because you didn't know what you had. We, church, we got to wake up. We got to understand who and whom we have believed 
and in what we possess in Christ Jesus. We have to let the light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So when the enemy comes offering, you've got to have your mind made up and say, uh-uh, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. So when we, we find ourselves in these predicaments in life and we, we're trying to figure out and brainstorm, I just told Terrence the other day, <coughs> coming up soon, I want to begin to have a, and, and I call it staff meeting. We really don't have a staff here, but we have people that help, so we call them staff. But have a meeting with people because I, I desire for us to be effective in ministry. How are you effective in ministry? By preaching the gospel without compromise, period. That, that's it. But to challenge one another and to hear one another and to listen to one another and to see what one another is dealing with because I, don't, I might not face uh, uh, in, in, in ministering to this congregation what Dennis is. I, I, I ain't never, I mean, I hope y'all aren't biting each other. Uh, but he probably does, has dealt with that or will. Or if you haven't, when, when the four that's new, newly born, jeez. Or, or I don't. I might not. I might not have to deal with uh, 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 you making a TikTok while I'm trying to preach. Maybe, maybe Terrence says. I don't know. I hope you haven't. But I'm just saying. Probably have. You probably have. They probably. So we have to understand what what is what are the youth of today dealing with? What are these kids facing? What are the adults dealing with? The pressures of life. I told Terrence the other day, we were riding to Dalton's graduation, I said, my, my generation is the very first generation that worked for their kids instead of the kids working for them. Killing themselves to give their kids everything. And in essence, they gave them nothing but junk. So we have to understand what we're dealing with today and what we're facing. And that, that all of this stuff that we think is important, it's not. Because what people need and what they're searching for is real and they want the real Jesus and that's only you can give them that if you really know them. I want to sing the musicians to come tonight. I found myself lately, I guess maybe the delivery is a different, the content's the same but the delivery is a little different because I've, I've become very adamant about us understanding the importance to share the gospel. To not just be speakers and hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Because whether you like it or not, we live in a society that's fast-paced, that's technology-driven, and it has basically zero attention span, whether you like it or not. And we can, we can scream about and we can talk about the old brush arbor days and the sawdust floor days and, and all of that stuff and praise God for them, and they were tremendous. But the same God that poured out then is the same God that was still pouring out today, whether it's in an air-conditioned building with cushioned seats, and that's for me, that's better. But, but if it's not and we've got to be outside, then praise God, he'll do it again. But we don't need to try to recreate what God's already done because His mercies are new every morning. And 
He desires to give us better tomorrow than what we've got today, but we've got to go to Him. And we've got to receive what He has. Even the vineyard, He does not stop replenishing. He don't. So I, I don't know really where you may find yourself tonight. But in Psalm verse four, uh, chapter 46, verse 1 through 4, it says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountain be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of tabernacles of the Most High. Regardless of what comes our way, whether it's 2021 or if the Lord tarries and it's 2047, His Word will still be the same. And the fountain will still be flowing. And the rock is still immovable. But will you stand there? Will you stand on it? Will you stand in Him? And will you give whomever it may be the unchangeable, uncompromised Word of God? Will you point them to the cross? Will you point them to Jesus? I gave you those things early not to create a huh. I wanted you to understand where we are as a church, not just late, the church as a whole. I, I can be honest with you. Whenever we first started live streaming, and, 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 and uh, like this weekend, there's a lot of folks on vacation. That's fine. And I know that our live stream is an option. And I used to think several years ago, well, we normally have 80 people, 40 of them ain't here, so 40 of them ought to be watching online. But now I don't even, I don't pay no attention to that. Because I, I can't concern myself with other than one thing, preaching the gospel. Sowing, planting, watering. So I, I want you tonight to understand that the Lord has placed you wherever He has placed you. UNC Greensboro. Is that right? What's y'all's mascot? Spartans. Or East Tennessee State University. What's y'all's? The Buccaneers. Go Bucks. Woo! Or at Baker Distributing. Or at Gaston College. Or at North Lincoln High School, or Kenneth, wherever you may be today, tomorrow, whatever you're, wherever you're working, or wherever you live, whatever you're doing, whatever warehouse you may be in, or even if it's a dreadful old hospital visit, Melanie, wherever the Lord has placed you, He's placed you there for a reason to point people to Him. What are you talking about, Jason? Listen, I, I'm, she never asked me to say anything. Never. This lady's been through it. 
And I hardly ever, I rarely check Messenger. If you send me something in Messenger and I don't respond, it's because I hardly ever check it. But I was so encouraged by her faithfulness to her faithful God. Always sending something encouraging through Messenger. Though she may be going through, sure, we all get in a place where we sometimes will gripe and grumble and complain. That's just us. We're people, right? But she realized I have a platform even in the hospital to praise his name. So he's taken your vineyard and he's pressed it hard against Ahab's palace. For one reason, not for you to sell out, but to make Ahab uncomfortable. And I'm asking you tonight, will you stand there and will you forbid the sale or the trade of your father's inheritance? Or will you be pressured to give in? You want to see this section, this whole left side, your right side filled up with young folks? Start talking to them. Don't just talk about Jesus. Be him to them. We, we've talked about him enough. And you can't, talk, you can't talk about him enough, but that's all we've done. What if we became who he desires us to be? What if we actually let him live through us and we were actually the hands and feet of him as he desires us to be and people see Christ in us and we, we quit seeing the exterior shell and we began to, to, to stop by a, a Happy Days body shop and say, hey brother, just want to stop in and say, uh, we'll go to church right down here. We'd love to have you sometime." What if, what if we would actually tell people about Christ and actually, actually invite people? Because, again, church attendance, unless you've been in a coma for the last 10 years, guess where it's going? Because good preaching is the Word of God, but good preaching and good singing, what used to draw them in, it don't. Because that's at my fingertips. Because I can tell you this. I'm not trying to, nor have I ever, but I can't compete. And Lakeside Church can't compete with Family Worship Center. And we're not trying to. But if that's what you want, then move to Baton Rouge or just watch it. I, 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 sometimes I, I just want, I'm going to be tr very transparent. I'm going to be very honest with you guys. Sometimes some people will come here after they'll see a, a broadcast of, a, I'll, I'll go to Baton Rouge, thank God for that platform. Thank God for that family. They have made a tremendous impact on my life. By no means am I belittling or degrading anything. Praise God for the Swaggart family. Praise God for the platform they've allowed me to share. Praise God for the privilege to preach worldwide. But what has happened is some folks have seen me and they come here and I'm not who they think I should be.
And I'm not going to change the vineyard that God's blessed me with. But I'll sure tell you this. You can have your own if you'll surrender. So I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you tonight. This man playing the piano over here loves this young group, these young folks, and his wife, wherever she is, probably taking care of Malachi with everything that's in them. But Terrence ain't in the 10th grade. Praise God. You, you passed all that. He's not a senior in high school. He don't roam the halls of North Lincoln, and he don't go to UNC Greensboro, and he's not going to go to East Tennessee State. But you will, and God will place you and take the vineyard he's blessed you with to that place to make Ahab uncomfortable. But will you let him? Because it's going to be uncomfortable for you. But Christ left. He ascended and he promised something that the comforter would come, which is the Holy Spirit. He will give you what you need when you need it to stand where he's placed you. You want to see this place filled up with adults? Guess what, adults? Start telling people about Jesus. Start, start asking him. Start inviting him. Start giving the personal invitations. We've been encouraged. I, I've been encouraged by, and I understand why they're doing it. I'm not knocking them, but I've been encouraged by the state office of the Church of God to send out mass mailers. To me, that's a total waste of money. It's like getting garbage in the mail. I don't even look at it. I just toss it. So instead of spending $500 and mailing an invitation to everybody, I can just tell everybody I see for free, hey, I'd just like to invite you to come to church with me. If you like it, great. If you don't, go somewhere else. But at least come. When will we allow him to actually move in and through our lives? Because we've been comfortable for so long that we become complacent. And now what we failed to confront many years ago is now confronting us as a church. But I want to tell you, what you have, what I have, is not for sale. I want you to stand tonight. And I want to ask you a couple things. One, if your passion, your desire, your drive is to see the Lord move in and through your life, Lord, use me to be a light. Not so that people see me, but they may see you through me. Lord, don't let me compromise. Any, if I have, don't let me compromise anymore. But Lord, I want to be rock solid as you call me to be. I want to be the voice in the wilderness crying, prepare you the way. I, I want you to come and I want you to ask the Lord to begin to speak to you, through you, to stir up in you, to rekindle that fire, if you will. Because I promise you that there is hordes of people. The harvest is plentiful brother I, uh, I'm too old no there is no retirement in God's economy that's your desire tonight I want you to come I want you to pray I want you to pray that the Lord will begin to move in such a way you have never known or experienced I want you to ask him to stir things up in you to search you within the depths of your heart and Lord, wherever you have placed me, Lord, let me be a witness for you. Let me be real, Lord. Speak to us tonight, Lord. 
Come tonight as I begin to pray. Lord, I pray that tonight you would stir our hearts. Lord, that you would change us from the inside out. Lord, that, that you, would, you would reignite that fire, that drive, that desire, that passion. Stir it up, Lord, for the lost, for the hurting, for those that don't know you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would catch this church on fire for you from the youngest of young Lord to those that are the greatest in age Lord let us be passionate about you and what you've done in our lives Lord I'm praying not not just for the city of Denver but I'm praying for the county of Lincoln North Carolina Lord I'm asking for it all in your name Lord Lord send them in that we don't have enough room to contain them that we'll, we'll have to open the doors, Lord, for an overflow. But there is never not enough of you. And I pray that we not be about people or numbers, but we be about you, Lord. Lord, send them and let us love them when they are and when they come. Lord, let us be passionate and quit being so concerned about being polished for you. Lord, I pray that you would anoint us. Lord, change us. Everything about us, Lord, from the way that we just lead worship and praise, from the way that we just do ministry, Lord, let it all be about you and never about a performance. God, forgive us for ever taking for granted what you blessed us with. Lord, we're asking you to do it again. Lord, for those that are watching and viewing, viewing, Lord, that will view. Lord, I pray that you would move in their midst. Lord, specifically, I lift up Brother Michael Jakes to you, Lord, and I'm asking that you bless this man immensely. Lord, for the passion, the drive, the desire to preach, to teach your word. Lord, that, that you've opened a platform for him. But Lord, I pray that, the, that you began to open up the windows of heaven and pour out in his life as he has never received before. Father God, that, that the desire that's in his heart, the decisions that he's been seeking, the wisdom, the answers that he needs. Lord, I pray you make them plain and clear. And Lord, that path be clear. Lord, we are going to give you the glory and the honor for what you're going to do. Lord, I pray that you bless him. Bless he and his family, Father. Lord, for our friend Juliana Kershaw, Lord, I pray that you bless her, God. The decisions that she has, the desire, the passion, Lord, that she has in her heart, I pray that you direct her path and they be clear. Lord, that you move in her midst and that, Lord, you just give her the desires of her heart, Father God. Lord, I pray for our church here, Lakeside Church, Lord, that our body would be a passionate body, a, a body of believers who are on fire for you. Lord, who, who are, are desperate to see the lost saved and the saved grow in their walk with you. Lord, I pray for those that are sick in body, that you would heal them. Lord, that there is still healing in your blood. Lord, I pray for those that have become complacent. Lord, that you would stir them up and make them uncomfortable. Lord, let them run to you. Lord, I pray for those that may find themselves bitter or hurt from, from something that may have, have been of, 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 of no importance to some but may have been important to them. Lord, I pray that you would heal their hearts. Lord, that this body would function as a body, as a whole. And Lord, that we would lack nothing. 
Lord, let us be who you called us to be. Lord, set us ablaze for you. Lord, never let us worry about competing. But Lord, let us worry about contending for the faith. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you. And we give you the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I want to I encourage you tonight. If you're watching or will watch. Come to the realization, one, where we are with what we're dealing with. But come to this realization that you have the answer everybody needs. And it's simple. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And some things that we do and some things that are coming up may seem quirky or or, or, or off the rocker or off the rail or however you want to say it, but I'm going to tell you right now, we are desperate to take Jesus as far as we will allow us to. So we're asking for your prayer. We're praying for you. But God's doing something great. Lives are being changed. Hearts are being surrendered. And people are growing in their walk with the Lord. So I'm telling all of you tonight and all who will listen, you have an important part to play. And because your vineyard might not look like mine, I can tell you the reward is the same. It's the same. But we love you guys praying for you and I'm telling you, I know this ain't, this ain't what people say now but I mentioned this several months ago, I've been praying for a super spreader <laughs> that's been a bad terminology lately but a super spreader, a passion a fire for Jesus Christ like nobody has ever known before I've said this for seven years this Pine Ridge revival I, I, I'm still praying for I'm still asking, Lord, let the traffic be backed up from campground to Pine Ridge. People trying to get into a house of worship. Why do you believe that, Jason? Because I'm passionate about Jesus. And I know that this is a body who is passionate as well. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll tell people about him, they'll come. They'll come. We love you guys. Uh, enjoy your day tomorrow if you have it off. If you don't, try to enjoy it at work anyway. But uh, we love you. God bless you. And uh, we'll be here Wednesday. Please remember Revival starting Saturday night, 7 o'clock with Brother Torrance Nash. And then uh, we'll have Sunday services as normal at 1030 and 6. But he will be here this Saturday, 7 o'clock. Sunday, 10.30 and 6. I promise you don't want to miss it. Uh, come Wednesday night, you don't want to miss that either. Uh, I, I tremendously and, and thoroughly enjoy Wednesday night services, but come as, if you will. But we love you guys. Be blessed, and we will see you soon.